This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We are talking politics today on both sides of the border and you are going to have a chance to have your say. First of all, it's been a while since we talked about the U.S. presidential race and with just days to go before the first debate, Clinton's lead over Trump is narrowing. As a matter of fact, she is barely clinging to a lead and his support is surging in key battleground states, even though just this morning, CNN released a poll showing Clinton well ahead in the crucial state of Florida. Uh, Meanwhile, there are more revelations. Uh, The Washington Post reporting that Trump directed more than a quarter of a million dollars from his charity to settle legal disputes stemming from his personal businesses and also spending money donated by others for things like great big portrait of himself, football memorabilia. The question that I have is, do any of these things even matter? Uh, Furthermore, there are polls that show that up to two-thirds of Americans really don't trust either candidate. So um, what does it all mean? I want to hear from you. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And I want to know if any of the things that have come out recently have changed your opinions of either candidate. Uh, But right now, we are going to go to Adrian Batra, the editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. Hi, Adrian. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on. So what do you make of it all? Oh, boy. Well, I can imagine what's going on in the Clinton campaign right now. They must be tearing their hair out because here they are. They stand in front of a candidate that is uh, on the Republican side that is uh, arguably the most contentious, what they've dubbed every, you know, name in the book, whether fair or not, and she's not winning, and she's not winning overwhelmingly, which is what they would expect going into the first presidential debate, that she would walk into that with a good, healthy lead. But I think part of what we're seeing is, you know, this erosion, and you touched on it, this erosion after the Democratic convention, she had a nice bump from it. It's gone. All those numbers are gone. And even though she has that uh, slim lead in Florida, let's look at some of the other toss-up states. New Hampshire, which is notoriously goes Democrat, it's now a toss-up state, Libby. Like, and that's that's got to really be frustrating for the Clinton campaign. And I think that they are everything that I've been seeing in the last sort of 24 hours. They're, they're going to do sort of their own, quote, reset, even though they're not using that word. What they've decided they're going to do is change the strategy from Mrs. Clinton to ripping on, on Donald Trump to her talking about herself. Because what you find over and over again, you hear from Clinton insiders and campaign staffers, is that the American people still don't know her in spite of how long she's been on the, on the public scene. 
many, many years, first lady in, in Arkansas, too. And then now, of course, she was Secretary of State and First Lady of the United States, now running for president for the past year and a half. Her campaign team has found they still don't know her, and the big factor is they still don't trust her. Well, yeah, but but they don't trust Donald Trump either. No, they certainly don't. I mean, you know, never in and in all the time that I've been following, I've never have seen two candidates more disliked, more distrusted, more despised. <laughs> By on both sides of the aisle. Donald Trump, however, you know, the, the only advantage he has, and I'm not rationalizing it or justifying it, I think it's absolutely absurd, is it doesn't matter what the scandal of the day is, it's just one more thing that gets ticked, uh, you know, gets, gets added up. Well, People there's... People are going to forget. There's too many scandals. There's too many, there's too many uh, you know, question marks about him. But working in Trump's favor is just an equal distrust for Mrs. Clinton. So, I mean, it's a wash almost. Well, yeah, a couple of interesting things. Uh, you know, uh, I checked uh, Nate Silver. He's one of the few guys that have been getting it right. Because uh, one of the problems with all of this punditry is that in recent elections, you know, just about everywhere, polls are wrong. Uh, and um, so he zeroed in on a few things. And, and one of the things he did zero in on uh, was that more Americans seem to think that Clinton is A, qualified for the job, and B, has the correct temperament. Mm-hmm. Nate Silver has done, uh, he's called things very accurately in the, in the past few elections, and of course, you know, got his start doing, uh, um, you know, doing odds in, in sports and things like that. So I very much trust his numbers. Um, but now it's interesting uh, when you bring him up. There's a little bit of a row going on in social media right now where some other statisticians and, and the like are taking him on for, for his, his numbers because he is also, with the numbers that you just mentioned, he's also narrowed the gap um, between Clinton and, and Trump on Trump's potential winnability factor. So, you know, that might rankle the ire of some people. But what's interesting about all of these polls and numbers and, and stats facts is we, we, we look to the most recent one, Libby, and that's Brexit. Brexit was not supposed to happen. It was, it was, um, you know, the, the, the no side was going to, you know, they were going to stay in and that was not going to be an issue. But so often polls, and, and, and though I'm not an expert, I've seen enough, but what often happens is in the last perhaps three or four days before an election or a vote or whatever the case may be, people make their decision. And, and sometimes you can't capture those in a poll. You can't capture those numbers. So that's why... You know, the, the, the Brexiters were even, I think, equally surprised that they'd won when, uh, <laughs> when, when, when the numbers all, all, all came in. So, but that said, you know, this, 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 this race continues to narrow for, for the White House it, day after day and we're 50 days away. And that may sound like a, it may sound like a short period of time, but it's an eternity, as and, you and I both know in, in politics. And, and yeah, and it, we're on the doorstep of the first presidential debate. I mean, who knows what might happen between now and then? Well, the the interesting thing, I mean, the, I think the Brexit phenomenon is big because of he seems to have touched into this 
tapped into this disaffection. But but there's a, a pretty big uh, racial divide. And, and the numbers that I've seen also show that uh, people of color, African-Americans, uh, do not approve of Donald Trump and are not voting for him, even though he's tried to galvanize them, saying, come on, people, you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And also Hispanics. So his support is, is really white and, and more male. Well, um Recently, there was something that came out that showed the support for Donald Trump amongst Hispanics is higher than it was for Mitt Romney in 2012. So he's making some inroads somewhere. Look, Clinton is likely going to get, the, the, for the majority of African Americans that go out and vote, she will get that. She will get those numbers. The Republicans in general have not done well with Hispanics since, um, except for George W. He, um, uh, Bush 42, he did very well with Hispanics in the 2004 election. But the the problem, of course, is you had Donald Trump right out of the gate saying what he said about them and, and, and being so negative. <laughs> no I kidding. The, yeah, I suppose that the only, the, one of the things like the Trump campaign can hope for is that those folks just don't come out and vote and that they stay home um, or they spoil their ballot. Uh, another sort of side note on, on all of this Mrs. Clinton is even having some challenges, um, not necessarily with the African-American vote or the Hispanic vote, but with millennials. All those, all those Bernie Sanders supporters that felt the burn, she's struggling with uh, hanging on to them. They're, they're looking at um, third-party candidates. They're looking at alternative candidates, or they might not just vote at all. So either side of the aisle, you look at it, they're both candidates have problems with certain constituencies. I just think Donald Trump has a larger problem um, than, than Mrs. Clinton does. The, the interesting thing I, I find about uh, Trump's candidacy is, is, as we were discussing before, nothing seems to stick to him. And, and um, I guess the one measure where he really comes out on top is, is kind of um, most likely to bring about change in Washington. So there's... It, there's that kind of disaffection. So the the I that what we would call the Brexit phenomenon that he really might be tapping into. Well, and that notion of change, Libby, goes beyond racial, economic lines. That once you have that desire, it's really difficult to stop that. And it doesn't matter who the cha- who the change candidate is. And in this in, in this instance, it actually is Donald Trump. Because uh, Hillary Clinton represents everything about the status quo. Americans are fed up. They don't like what's happened in the last eight years. In fact, I would argue they don't like what's happened in the last 12 years, including w, uh, Bush 42's second term. They don't, they don't feel like they've been part of Barack Obama's America for a number of years. They feel disenfranchised. They feel disaffected. And there's also... On American patriotism that I, millions of them have felt, you, you see it all the time, you hear about it, that they just don't think that America is what she used to be, that, 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 that international heft. And so when, when Donald Trump says things like, I want to make America great again, there's so many people that think, yeah, that there's nothing wrong with wanting my country to be the best. And so... When that momentum for change and you tap into sort of that emotional part of someone, regardless of how much they may just find you distasteful on, on, on certain, certain things, maybe some people will look at Donald Trump and say, it's not a zero-sum game for me. 
I'm going to look at him because he's he's going to be that change agent. That might just be enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I I think also, you know, when we when we look at um, pundits and, and predictions, I think there's a big factor that that um, uh, people are predicting what they what they want as opposed to what's in front of them. Because I don't think. Uh, most of the professionals uh, really foresaw the Trump phenomenon. No, so maybe we maybe we project more than we portray. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's the problem of punditocracy. Okay, yeah, I think well, he's confounded everybody. He's confounded the critics. He's confounded conservatives. He's confounded the left. He's confounded the Clintons. Everyone is just gobsmacked by what has happened here. And uh, yeah, he might be, you know, on the trajectory and <laughs> you never know. I'm going to give the numbers out again because, uh, you know, I, he polarizes us even here in Canada, which I find quite interesting, um, yeah. has a lot of defenders and a lot of detractors. I want to hear from our listeners, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. And uh, we've got Sonny in Richmond Hill. Hi, Sonny. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, I just I find it fascinating. You know, just what you said now before you, I came on the air. The pundits are the biggest problem to this because they are telling the people that Donald Trump is such a phenomenon. And if you really look at it, he's a windbag. Like Romney said, he's a fraud, a phony. Because none of the pundits or anybody in the media has asked him a simple single question. How do you propose to pay for what you are saying on a, in an in a, in a auditorium and not having a policy for it? And how do you implement it? Standard 101 politics in elections. Well, he's so, got a lot of support. <laughs> That's no, one so, thing. So what does that say to you? Is that A, the people are extremely gullible, and B, the pardons do not have a clue what they are doing. Well, I'll, because, ag- I'll agree with you on on the latter, that the, in this case, the pundits did not know just, just what they were point, doing. Just one other point. Adrian said earlier that Donald Trump is surging or moving in the polls. He has been stagnant since the day he came out of the uh, primaries. Uh, that's not true. At, that's not, no, that's that not the true. way... That's he not the way the numbers 40%, have gone. 40%. He has been at that number for, I would say, the majority of the time. Have you seen him above 45 or things like that? No. Well, he's... The only person with electricity in, in, in the electorate is Hillary Clinton. She has gone up. She's come down and uh, things like that. So, 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 has, so has he. Sonny, uh, we're going to move on to other calls. Thank you for your input. Bye-bye. Okay, Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Not bad. I myself would like to see a change in what's going on, in not only in the States. So if I had a vote, which I don't, <laughs> yeah. I would vote for Trump uh, because I was, I'd like to see a change. But what is, upsets me is, from what I understand, and I did not hear the speech, but I heard of it, 
and I heard it on the radio, that apparently our Prime Minister spoke for about 12 and a half minutes. And he did not mention Trump by name, but he criticized him through the whole thing, like saying, why would anybody want to vote for so-and-so who did X, Y, and Z? Our prime minister or anybody of any influence should not get involved, because if Trump is to be elected as prime minister, uh, president of the United States, we want him to be friend, not foe. And when you get a prime minister going criticizing a guy the way he did, that is not quite right. And that upsets me. Uh, You know what? I agree with you completely. He's not the only one to have done that. When Kathleen Wynne was was in New York, she did the same thing. Well, you would expect something like that from Kathleen Wynne when we see all of the other stuff that Kathleen Wynne has said and done. We've got problems. We've got serious problems. You oh. know what they say? You get what you, you get what you deserve when you vote. And the province here is learning their lessons on how they voted in the last election. And it is sad as to say. Oh. What, what can we do? Okay, anyway, Bob. I just wanted to express my opinion. Okay. okay. Thank, Thank you, you Bob. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm going to check in with that last point with uh, with Adrian after yeah. we take a quick break, which we have to do. I'm going to give the numbers out again before we go to break. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And, and when we come back, uh, Adrian, uh, we're going to get Adrian's opinion on, on what Justin Trudeau said uh, on his visit to the U.S. We'll be back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, we are heading into the home stretch of this conversation. Uh, people are stacked up on the lines. But before we get to them, Adrian Batra, what's your take on the things that Justin Trudeau was saying when he was in the States? It's not the first time that Justin Trudeau has taken swipes at uh, Donald Trump. Now, in the case yesterday when at the United Nations, he did not name him, but he did his allusion to, you know, he alluded to, we're not going to adhere to the politics of fear and division. Everybody knew, of course, who he was talking about. I've always found that a distasteful thing for a Canadian to get involved in an American race because ultimately you never know who is going to win. Now, with that said, I find it interesting that Steve Forbes, of course, the founder of Forbes magazine, he has spoken today about that comment um, that, you know, Trudeau taking a shot at Trump indirectly or without naming him. And Forbes made an interesting observation. He said, look, regardless of, of, of the, the, you know, the, the verbal jousting, Donald Trump will still be able to work with whoever is, uh, you know, work with the Canadian prime minister. Well, A, we have to, for one thing, it's our biggest trading partner. But the other, but the other is um, what Forbes noted is Trump going to Mexico illustrates his ability to actually sort of put some of that stuff, that personal stuff aside. Okay. Now, well, with that said, yeah. I would add, I would simply add, if Donald Trump becomes president, and that's a big if, it's still a big if. If he does, and and Justin Trudeau continues to to throw, you know, mud at him, Donald Trump knows uh, he has, he'll have no problem fighting back. So you know, you'd rather have some sort of diplomatic relationship between the two of them rather than just them hurling, you know, 
insulted each other. Okay, um, let's just uh, try to get a few of the calls in right now. We've got Joan in London. Hi, Joan. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good. Um, I was very surprised when Bob, the, the answer Bob gave, and I was sitting here going, I totally agree with everything he said. If I were an American and I had to choose between the two, and all the bombings and stuff that's going on and, and the shootings, I would vote for Trump because I think he's right on, bang on on that issue. I think there's a big change needed, and I think he's the only one that's going to do it. And that stuff's got to stop. Like, that's, it's just getting ridiculous. And if you look at who's doing it, you know who they are. Okay, I, Joan. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your call. And, and there you have it, Libby. Okay. I mean, we we scratch our heads and we, oh my gosh, how could someone possibly support Donald Trump? But what he has done, and what he is, and he's been proven, you know, for all intents and purposes, accurate, you know, every few weeks. To tap into that notion that America is in trouble economically, internationally, terrorism, all of that. Americans are feeling that and seeing that. So I, I know that there are some people out there in, in, in a certain political spectrum that would rather criticize the American people that support Donald Trump rather than acknowledge or address the issues that he has tapped into. I find it a very fascinating dichotomy. I wanted to say one more quick thing before. Okay, um, yes, because we've got to go, wrap but, it up. Uh, the very first caller, Sonny, he made a point that Donald Trump has been stagnant in the polls, uh, and he said that he hasn't moved. That is not accurate. I know that's Since not accurate. Come down, Trump has trended up. And that has been, and the two are nearly meeting in the middle. I just wanted to clarify that. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.